made the change, it didn't actually feel like that big of a deal. Like I just, I just assumed like everybody does that like you're going to make this change and it's just all going to come crashing down. <laughs> and that absolutely didn't happen. It was very anticlimactic. I just changed everything and everything just kind of seemed to continue. But what happened after that, the expectations on what we were doing started to change. I think that has been a real key to our success. Now I'm just attracting more of the people who are interested in what we're really doing and it's all going to be okay. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestroified. Three, two, one. My beautiful podcast people, Maestro here sliding in with a quick reminder that this is going to be the final interview episode until October of this year, 2022. I'm going to take a break from long episodes for the summer, but I'm going to switch it up and every Monday and Thursday I will be releasing a short episode. I have air quotes because you know I like to talk, but the goal is to keep these episodes to 30 minutes or less, and they will be dropping once again every Monday and Thursday for the duration of the summer. All right, let's get back to the show. Hello, friends, my show here, and welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast. Today I got with me another repeat customer, or I should say offender. Uh, it seems to be a theme here, but when I like someone, I like to bring them back. They got good things to say. The last time I had this woman on the podcast was actually right before COVID. Like, I think it was probably the day before everything shut down. It was March 30th, 2020. We talked about her business. We talked about, you know, what she does in the space. And since then, she's done a whole lot more, continued on that, that same train. And I wanted to bring her on today to speak about, in particular, what it's like when you've done something, you're known for something, and then maybe it starts to not fit 100% and you pivot, you shift, and then you lean into that new thing fully. I think this is an episode that's going to resonate with a bunch of you out there that are just like, you know, this thing that I did, I was known for, it just, it doesn't necessarily fit. It, it maybe isn't serving me and my people the way that I want. And so I want to change. How do I do that? Well, I got Catherine Bruni Young on the podcast today to tell you all about it. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Catherine. What's up, KBY? Hello. Hello, everyone. And yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm very excited to be here. You're one of my favorite people to have on my podcast <laughs> and to talk to. And your energy always just lights me up. So thank you for having me back. Dude, this is my, absolutely my Pleasure. I'm going to flip it over to you right away because Catherine and I were on, you know, for a few months before we started an episode and you talk a little bit and I was like, holy shit, we podcasted right before everything happened. So there's a lot to catch up on. Uh, if you would, we'll, we'll link that was episode 198. Thank you, Courtney. But I want to flip it right over to you, Catherine. And if you want to give us a little background about what you were doing and then let's jump into what 
happened and what you did during that the COVID times? Yeah, so I teach exercise. Uh, what I teach now is called mindful strength. And to be honest, I'm pretty sure it was called Mindful Strength the last time we did the podcast interview right before COVID. Yeah, it was. But I think at that point, I had recently switched over my branding away from my name, Catherine mm -hmm. Bernie Young, the person who's known as a yoga teacher, to Mindful Strength. So a lot has happened. Yeah. Um, but I started teaching online, you know, five years ago. Like our membership mm -hmm. started almost five years ago. So before the pandemic, before COVID and all of this digital class stuff that's going on now, basically with every teacher. Um, but my work back then was really, really different. And I think when COVID started, it this also coincided when, with my husband, who was a strength and conditioning coach, he basically like closed his little operation. He closed his little weightlifting club and started working with me. And this was the start of a lot of new stuff for us because then it was like not just me doing this. It was me and him. And then a little while after that, we brought somebody else in. And I think having these two people to work with really helped me a lot uh, in changing what we were doing because you know, maybe some of the listeners know, I don't know, maybe they don't. I taught yoga. I basically grew up in a yoga studio. My mom was a yoga teacher. She was one of the first teachers and first studio owners in Toronto, in the city in Canada where I grew up. So not only did like everyone know me as the yoga yeah. teacher, but like everyone knew my family, like, like my whole family, my uncle's That's... a yoga teacher. Like, you know, it was, it was a huge identity. And then when that practice just wasn't feeling good for me anymore, and I started changing what I was teaching. Um, obviously, that was a, a huge turning point and had a lot of friction. And I think like probably many of the listeners, I had many years of like, what am I doing? What am I calling it? Are people really happy with this? Is this what they're expecting? Is this what I want to be doing? You know, I just had so many years of going through all of those feelings. Um, and then... It all became more clear, but also it's still challenging. You know, I still yeah. notice myself having the feelings of like, is this what people are expecting? Is this so strange for me to be doing? Um, but the last two years, working at home, working with my husband, Kyle, and now our other person, Chris, uh, has really you know, streamlined what we're doing. And I've really been in, been able to lean into, okay, this is different and this is what it is. And it's mindful strength. Keep, please. You said that so easily, so seamlessly. Was it that seamless? Was there pushback ever? I know there was some internal that you just spoke about, but like, did anybody get up in your shit about it? I would say in the early days of me changing what I was teaching, Yes, there was pushback because I was also teaching in like an Ashtanga yoga studio. So oh. there's a lot of yeah. dogma there, right? There's a way you do things. There's certain ways you move your body and certain ways you don't. There's certain things you say as a teacher and certain things you don't. And that had been going on for many, many years before I even showed up. But that was where I came from. And so when I started to learn new things and try new things and then start teaching new things, 
yes, there was pushback. There was friction. Um, my mom and I actually, we taught a retreat together one time in Cuba. This was a number of years ago. This was before I was really clear on my own branding and what I was doing. We taught a retreat together. All these people come from all over the world. I think some of them maybe didn't do their homework on like who we really were. Um, They just wanted to go on a yoga trip to Cuba. And so they did. And me and my mom showed up and we just taught that retreat, like how we wanted to teach it. And we got so many angry feedback emails when we got home um, because it wasn't what people were expecting. And that was a moment, like a great turning point moment for me when I was just like, okay, so we're doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. I'm teaching the strength. I'm teaching more functional movement. I'm teaching unique mobility and alignment stuff. Um, but, but everything on my website still says I'm doing this. And so that's what people are going to expect when they come. And now there's, there's friction and now there's people who are unhappy and now I'm having feelings about myself as a teacher. And so like, that was one moment that will always stick out in my mind of like, oh man, like we just. Yeah. What did they say? Do you remember? Um, you know. And was it verbal feedback or they like wrote a strongly worded letter? Email. Yeah. Okay. Emails. Emails. You know, like this isn't yoga. This isn't what we were expecting. Uh-huh. This isn't, um, yeah, basically this isn't what they were expecting. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't. And, you know, I think that was also like our bad. But at mm-hmm. that point, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, maybe I wasn't far along yet in this evolution or I wasn't confident enough yet or I didn't I didn't feel empowered as myself as like a person who taught strength because you know most of what I knew was Ashtanga yoga um I just yeah I didn't have the confidence to really say what I was doing I had the confidence to do it but kind of like pretend it wasn't happening like yeah it's a yoga retreat but like actually we're gonna do this other stuff instead. <laughs> and what, where did that come from? Kevin? Like that desire to do the other stuff? Yeah. So for me, that came from, you know, when was it? It was probably like five or six years into my very strong Ashtanga practice when I started I started having injuries. I just like had pain. I had pain mm. in my knees. I had pain in my back. Mm-hmm. I had pain everywhere. All of my yoga teachers were doing their best, but they were like, hey, you should modify. You should go gentle. You're pushing yourself too hard. You're being too intense. I was like in my early 20s and I was like an athletic person. Like I wanted to go hard. Yeah. And so that's what I was doing. Yeah. My teachers didn't really know how to help me. They thought I just needed to be gentle, more gentle. Um, then... I ended up in a CrossFit gym and working with a personal trainer and they were just like, you need to do hard stuff, but different, (laughs) different from what you're currently doing. You need to do some deadlifts. You're going to do some back squats. You're going to do some, you know, hamstring curls and you're going to be fine. And that's exactly what happened for me. I started doing strength training, CrossFit, gymnastics, Olympic lifting. You know how it is When when you get into it. You're in. You're in. I started doing all that stuff. I started feeling a lot better. That probably happened for a number of reasons, not just the exercises. But that's what made me want to start changing what I was doing. I could not go back to my classes and continue to teach the same movements and the same poses in the exact same way. 
over and over because I was having so many issues. My mom was having a similar experience mm-hmm. and I was really ingrained in this, in this movement culture of like, everyone had the same stuff going on yeah. and none of us were really getting the help that we needed. And so it became super normal for everyone in the studio to have like hamstring pain and back pain and knee pain. And this is hurting. And I've got a brace on this and tape on that. Um, and we were all just kind of in this like a- avoidance, I yeah. think. And like, we'll just rest more or we'll just like keep doing our practice, um, hoping that things are going to feel different. And so when I started to get new advice and it was working for me, I felt like I had to start bringing that into what I was teaching. And then as soon as I started my class with like, hey, we're going to do five minutes of wrist prep today before we do this intense yoga practice, people started coming up to me after class and being like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not opposed to this, but like, what is this? Okay. And I think I had success in the early days of bringing new things into my work and into my teaching. I think because I only brought in a little bit at a time. I was not the teacher who just like scrapped my entire class. Okay. Um, I was, you know, also probably the youngest person. I felt like I had a lot to prove. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I would just start with like a little bit at a time. We're just going to do a couple hip bridges before we do this. And then little by little, I'm like, maybe we could use a resistance band. And I remember when that seemed like such a big deal. Um, But this now, this... These changes I started to make almost 10 years ago. Wow. Um, and so I feel like I've really come quite a long way. But I've every little step of the process that everyone goes through, I feel like I have been through every one of those little steps and hurdles. And like, ooh, is this okay? Should I do this? Bad. Can I do this? Can I Bad. say it? Bad. Yeah. That's 100% why I wanted to bring you on because I know that there's people out there that are feeling that experience now. And I was like, listen... Catherine has been going through that and longer than I realized, 10 years? Yeah, almost Catherine. 10 years since the first time I ended up in the gym. Almost 10 years. Catherine. So let's back it up for one second. CrossFit, that seems like very polar opposite. Yeah. You weren't like, I want to dip my toe into something else or this is your personality. You're like, we're going all in. We're strength okay. training. We're doing um, I'm not like an all in personality. This is what happened. I had a friend. He was over at my house. He was like, you like yoga. You like handstands. You would love this guy named Ido Portal. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. We watched some YouTube videos. And my friend said to me, if this guy ever comes to Toronto, you have to go. Trust me, you're going to love it. And I was just like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Then it was just like right place at the right time. I realized Ido was coming to Toronto I lived like around the corner from the CrossFit gym where he was going to be teaching I had Ah. looked into the CrossFit gym I had walked by this gym every day for years Uh I walked by I see what people are doing in there and I just think hell no that (laughs) is not for me I'm not one of them every day this happened so this workshop gets me into the gym I would say within the first like hour of that workshop I realized what I had been missing. And I'm not saying that this approach works for everybody. From Edo. Yeah. For me, in that moment, 
at that oh. time, it worked. It landed. I'm not saying that wow. this message continues to land with me and I continue to work with these people, uh-huh. but for whatever reason, it landed. And I think I was young. I wanted to be quite physical. I was having pain. Um, and no one had really shown me where the weak spots were. And so when I went to this workshop, I felt like, oh, I can do all this stuff. I've been doing yoga for all these years. I can do a handstand. I can do anything. Then we started like hanging from the bar, working with the Mm -hmm, rings, mm -hmm. you know, crawling across the room. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. I have been missing out on a lot. And maybe this has something to do with why I'm like feeling so crappy. I felt like I shouldn't be feeling this crappy. I'm like 22, 23 years old, um, super active, eating healthy food, going to bed early, you know, doing all the (laughs) things, things. (laughs) feeling pretty crappy. And so I, that was the first time I realized, holy shit, there's, there's so much more out there. Like, look at these exercises these people yeah. are doing. Like, whoa, maybe I could use a little bit more of this. And that's what got me in. Then I started doing CrossFit. CrossFit was a bit too intense for me. Yeah. It was I'm like blown much. away here. So I don't know if you folks listening and remember Ido Portal, but like Ido Portal, MoveNet, that was like real big yeah. at, at, at the same time. And like primal patterns and things like that. Yes. It sounds like it was kind of just fortuitous that you know, they do it at a CrossFit gym and it makes sense because he's really into hanging, brachiation, things like that, which obviously is going to, uh, uh, what is the word, highlight a huge hole in a traditional like yoga because there's no pulling. Like you yes. can't. No, oh, yes. You just can't do that. So that would uh, absolutely be like, yo, what's happening? But that's wild to me that it was in a CrossFit gym. I mean, I guess they're not going to have it in a traditional Globo gym. So it would have to be like something that has an open space so they can move yeah. around like that. And so you're saying you CrossFit then the next step that you took was to try CrossFit, but that seems like, like you're saying that was too much. That's like not Edo Portal. A hundred percent. I think for me, I had already been in the CrossFit gym by the end of that weekend, like two or three times. And I had met some other people from the gym and I just started to feel comfortable there. I mean, Uh, I had no idea. I didn't even have a pair of running shoes. I show up to CrossFit in bare feet, you know, like I I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is Um, amazing. (laughs) But it's like once somebody, you know, sometimes all people need is like one or two kind of good experiences. And then they're like, you know what, maybe I could do that. So then I start going in CrossFit. Um... I didn't like the like really intense fast Metcon stuff. I like yeah, basically hate, totally. hate cardio. So yeah. I would, I did it for like a year, but that's where I met my personal trainer who then I worked with and mentored with for years. Um, that's where I, I got reinterested in adult gymnastics was through mm. CrossFit. So it served yeah. its purpose, but I didn't stick with the CrossFit yeah. method for, for very long. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that is definitely one thing I love about CrossFit is that it can open your eyes to so many things, including the adult gymnastics portion. That was, I never went upside, upside down as a kid. Like I never really liked it. And the first time I did a handstand was, you know, when I started doing CrossFit and I was like, this is new, like, whoa, vestibular system. And it it opened your eyes to that, whether you want to get into the, you know, monostructural kind of stuff of we're just going to do, you know, 
the erg machines or Olympic weightlifting, or we're going to go into, like you said, adult gymnastics, or, you know, you go through it and then your body is like kind of broken and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to bodybuilding now. Cause I don't, I don't want to be broken all the time. Yeah. So the trainer that you got there, you, you trained one-on-one training, one-on-one personal training at the CrossFit box. Yeah. So then I started working with this trainer who was like, um, he did various things. I think he was most well known for his like PICP polyquin high high level training. So that's the type of strength training that I learned first. I never learned anything else. Um, That made a huge difference. And then I went on to do those polyquin courses and that kind of like changed everything for me at the same time. So he started coaching me first. It was just basic structural balance. Like, let's get you doing some leg curls, some pulling, some just things to to complement and balance out all the stuff I had been doing in yoga for so many years. Then I realized early on that strength training, like I was going to be successful in strength training. I have mm-hmm. the genetics. Mm-hmm. I've got the body type. I've got the like fast muscle building mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. And within, you know, a short period of time, within like a year, I was deadlifting really heavy weights. And so then I got into powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so this trainer, he he coached me through a few powerlifting competitions. And that just gave me a really good goal to work on and some sense of like community outside my yoga studio because because I grew up in this studio, literally all my friends were yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. Everyone I knew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was from the studio and they pretty much could not relate at all to what I was doing. They thought it was nuts what I was doing. And so I think the other reason why I got so into this like CrossFit and gym stuff was because I started going to the gym and then there were like all these cool people and, yeah, and community. that community aspect. I started to make new friends, make different friends. And all of that, I'm sure, played into how like good and empowered I was feeling in my body, of Ah. course. Um, But yeah, I worked with this coach for a couple of years, like twice a week personal training. Uh, He brought me to competitions. I won the competition. So that was like, you know, well, that's good. Early success, good experience, (laughs) feeling so encouraged and empowered. And then I basically just started referring like everyone I knew to this guy. Like my mom worked with him. I mean, you got a everyone. good one. Everyone, everyone worked with him. It could have been not that. Hundred so. <laughs> percent. And this coach, I swear, he helped me just like work through so much stuff. All of the like weird ideas yeah. I had about like what I should be eating and training. And what my goals were and what strength training was going to do to my body. Like I had so many of these warped ideas about what strength training was. I assumed it was just like some like fitnessy thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to understand like, no, there's kind of like a science behind this and it's super accessible and it's super progressive. That's when I started to realize like I could start teaching some of this stuff oh, in my yoga class. Like that. This could work for anyone, that, you know. That Catherine, that was you so key. More into that because I th- one of the, as soon as you said about going to a trainer and kind of the mindset stuff, and actually that you are able to gain muscle. What immediately popped into my head is one of the things we see out here is the frustration that 
we'll say trainers feel when they hear a woman say, I don't want to get bulky. Yeah. And they just roll their eyes and they're just like, you won't. It takes so much, you know, there's, there's, it's argumentative. It's never meeting the person where they're at and being like, why do you have this concern? Okay. Okay. If that's your concern, let's like, how can we move forward together? And so you have this, this sounds like a phenomenal, as soon as you said Poliquin, I'm like, dude knows his shit. Yeah. You got a phenomenal trainer. And what was that experience like? You're voicing these concerns. He's meeting you where you're at. He's. Yeah. I what, think he happening? was meeting where I was at. Um, I was one of those like over exercisers, uh-huh, under eaters uh-huh. yeah. kind of person. I was a vegetarian. I grew up as a vegetarian. Oh, I grew okay. up in a yoga studio. So, <laughs> you know, like I had it. There was a lot of constructs going on in my life at that time. There was like diet constructs and spiritual constructs and all kinds of things. Um, and so Love Deep, my coach, just, you know, he was, he never, like he was never combative he never belittled me and like all these feelings I was having he was always just like okay like I'm gonna listen to you say your little thing like and now we're gonna go do these deadlifts okay okay (laughs) okay great you're having these feelings now we're gonna go do these deadlifts or these whatever and like you should eat some carbs tonight when you go home pretty much. And I'd be like, what? Like what kind of carbs? Like quick carbs or complex carbs? I remember in my first week of working with him, I was like so eager to just do what he wanted me to do. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. so what should I do? And what should I eat? And all these things. And he was like, your first goal this week is you need to just eat whatever pops into your mind. Like, so if you're like lying in bed at 11 p.m. and you like think about ice cream, he's like, you just need to go eat that. You need to just spend an entire week Mm -hmm. just like refeeding your system, um, really tuning into your own intuition. And that's going to be hard, but just it's okay. It's just seven days. He's like, and then we'll start training. Um, And that in and of itself, I mean, that's pretty powerful, you know, for someone in their like early 20s. Most people going to fitness trainers are immediately being put on restrictive diets and being told it's all about leaning and toning. Like with my coach, it was just all about getting stronger. It was all about building capacity. And he could see that I was injured and I was in a state of chronic pain and, you know, lots of stress. My mom was sick with cancer, like things were going on in my life. And I think he could just help me with all that, but without saying it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Incredibly powerful. Did you, so you said that in the beginning, this makes sense in terms of like motivational stages. Like there was like, I wanted to like make this, this person proud. I don't want to let them down. I want to do this. When you first started, what were your goals going into this? And then did those goals change? So I think when I first started lifting, I realized that my body was going to adapt to it very well. Mm -hmm. So pretty quickly, my body started to hurt less. And that was a real motivator. I would say within the first like six months, my back started to hurt a lot less. And then I just started to think, well, how strong could I get? Mm -hmm. Like how far could I go with this? Um, Like, okay, I can deadlift like 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like, could I deadlift 300 pounds or 350? Like, could I do that? I think I was in a rebuilding of my confidence and everything I knew about my body and everything I knew about human adaptation. Like, I had just never learned anything about 
adaptation before, yes. which is so funny because I'd been teaching movement for all of those years. Um, and so pretty early on, I decided I wanted to do a powerlifting competition. And so that was like the first, you know, main motivator. And then I went to the next level of powerlifting competitions. I did, I think, three competitions. And at the end of my last competition, I just knew that that was it. I was like, I could keep going here. Like I've qualified for nationals. Mm -hmm. I could keep going, but it's going to get to the extreme mm -hmm. part pretty mm -hmm. quickly now. And so I just, you know, I hit those big lifts. I hit those big goals. And then I packed up my life and moved away from Toronto and I continued lifting for fun and I stopped working with my coach. And that was when I really started to implement more of this stuff into my teaching. So this is a perfect segue. This is, I had no idea about this part of the story. I'm loving it. I'm like enthralled here. What was going on this whole time with yoga, with your teaching of it, your feelings towards it? And then what happened when you moved away? When I moved away, everything changed because I was teaching in a very popular studio in Toronto for all of those years. Mm -hmm. It was a niche kind of studio um, when I moved away, so I had already been changing up what I was doing. I was already teaching workshops on strength and stuff like that, but it was for a very specific type of person, like a super young, super bendy, super like wanted to be in a very hot room with other people kind of person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Um, when I moved away, I moved to a really small city and opened a little studio and my clientele changed overnight. Like I was meeting people who had never done yoga before, who were not really young and like wanted to be in a hot room altogether. Like, like I would say just like normal people. I just started to meet normal people out there in the world doing their things, retired people, school teachers, everyday people who didn't know much about yoga or exercise or any type of movement. And that was another big learning curve. Catherine, you just went and opened up another studio? Yeah, I did. You were like, here I am. I did. What? Okay, so I lived in the <laughs> I lived in Toronto. Then this is what happened. Somebody I know who had a gym in Cornwall decided that they wanted to host a yoga teacher training program. Oh. I had actually met them at the Edo seminar, which is so funny. It's such hmm. a small world. Hmm. Anyways, they hired come to Cornwall, which is like four hours away, and teach a yoga teacher training program. And I did that for an entire year. I commuted to this little city once a month for 10 months in a row. And then at the end of that, it just so happened that my parents were going to sell the commercial building that we all lived in, and they were going to like a little family home. And at that point, I just felt like I was just, I had to go off and do my own thing. Um, but I didn't really want to I didn't really want to live in Toronto anymore. And so I decided I'll just like take here and go live in this new place and I'll open up a little studio and maybe I'll do some stuff online and I'll just see what happens. I've kind of felt like I had nothing to lose. Like my mom had already sold her shares in the yoga studio. Her and her partner had had a major rupture. I was like totally over teaching in the yoga studio. I just like couldn't do it anymore. And so I moved to this other little city. And that happened. And then I met my husband and, we, you know, hit it off. And 
now this is where I live. <laughs> this is uh, like you just dropped this big ass story <laughs> like it was nothing. So much change. So much change. And you just rolled with it. You you had confidence it would be okay. Like it's so wild. When I look back, I don't even know what I was thinking. It's like, how <laughs> did you just you just did that? You, you just did. left your job. I had some online stuff going on, but not a lot. Yeah, I I don't really remember like what had come over me, but I decided to make this decision. I remember my parents thought I was nuts. My parents were just like, I don't know. What are you doing? You're moving far away. It all just made sense to me in the moment though. Um, and so I just went with it. And as soon as I moved there, it was like an immediate fit. It was immediately the right decision. And I never looked back, not even for, for like two minutes. Wow. So Catherine, if we, if I'm trying, like trying to do the timeline here, you have all this time, you're becoming a fucking killer power lifter. You have bought into strength training. You're still teaching at that original, uh, what is it called? Not yoga facility. What do you call it? Studio. Thank you. I'm like, what is it called? You're teaching at that studio. When did you start trickling in or yeah, when did you start trickling in, in that strength stuff? Like, when did it start going into my teaching? Yeah. Was it at that other studio? It was. In Toronto? Okay. It was. Yes. So it started almost immediately. And then little by little, just more strength started to go in. And I would just take out more and more yoga poses. I love it. Then I started mm -hmm. to teach some workshops about mm -hmm. like handstand development. Mm -hmm. You know, I just teach like a you know, basically like a progressive series of strengthening and skill exercises for handstands. Um, it was definitely already a part of my teaching, but I was not ready to call myself like a strength teacher. I was yeah. definitely still calling my classes yoga classes. And a lot of people were into it because a lot of people were like me and they were having aches and pains. And then all of a sudden they start to do some new stuff and they start feeling better. And so a lot of people didn't question it at all. They just kind of rolled with it. Um, but it, it created a, a friction within me because as the years went by, I knew that I wanted to be doing more that. and more strength stuff, right? Like my practice had become strength training. That. I wasn't doing that. the poses and not, I'm not saying yoga is just these poses, but like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my practice was different. The teachers I was now being influenced by were completely different. My idols yeah. I was looking up to were completely different. And so I just wanted to do more and more of that. And I continued to, and then it took years before I was ready to start calling what I was doing mindful strength. It took years of like, are people going to get it? They're going to think I'm just fitness. They're going to not going to know what it is, you know, all of those yeah. feelings. And then I just made the call and literally nothing changed, but slowly everything started to get better. <laughs> Dude, I want to hear more about this. So we're bringing it. Well, I, I wrote it as as you said it. I was writing it down before of kind of the, the titration of bringing in the 
uh, more strength-based stuff. And, and you were just like, yeah, and that's, I, I was only, you know, five minutes and one thing at a time. And this is why people, you know, accepted it and yeah, uh, didn't just be like, what, this is, this is wrong. So this, when did you start calling it mindful strength? I think I started calling it mindful strength. I think, I think it was like between three and four years ago. Okay. I think it was at least one year before the pandemic. Um, so it hasn't been that long. Was the membership called that? The membership? Yes. Yes. The whole time? Yes. Okay. okay so it's been almost five years. The Mindful Strength Virtual Studio. Yes. That's when I made the change when we when I started the online membership. So can you walk us through that? This is huge. I I am certain that people listening to this I have one person dear to my heart in in mind. This is big. It's not fitting, you know, I'm having like uh, identity things but also like being accepted and financially and running a business and from a marketing perspective to lose the yoga title is like a big Mm -hmm. deal. So can you walk us through that? So I was working with a marketing person, not just marketing person, a person who was helping me at that time with my website, with my membership, with everything. This was before my husband was working with me. Um, it was just me and I had the help of this guy. And I think it was through many sessions sitting with him and really trying to explain to him what I was doing. And then I had like casually started using the words like mindful strength, like just with him. And then I remember at some point he was like, you know what? You should just change the name to mindful strength. Wow. He's like, that's what you're doing. And people are signing up. Like people are coming to your workshops. People are into it. You should just call it this. We should just change everything. And so I did. So initially I just started the membership and it was called a mindful strength membership, but I'm pretty sure it was still on my old website with my mm, name as the name. domain. Yeah. Yeah. I think it took me probably another year before I changed the yeah. domain and changed my Instagram name totally. and, and all of that. Um, and it was through this coaching of this person who was helping me, who had seen me now at work for a couple of years. He had seen the progression of, of what I was doing um, and, you know, after I made the change, it didn't actually feel like that big of a deal. Like I just, I just assumed like everybody does that like, you're going to make this change and it's just all going to come crashing yep, down. Yep. Uh-huh. It all ends. <laughs> and that absolutely didn't happen. It was very anticlimactic. I just changed everything and everything just kind of seemed to continue. But what happened after that was then I think the expectations on what we were doing started to change because obviously when your company is called Mindful Strength, yes. it's like pretty self-explanatory yes. what's going on there. Um, there's no gray area. There's no like, I'm a movement teacher, but I integrate science. Like mm -hmm. all of that was just yeah. gone. And I think that has been a real key to our success because I think, I mean, you know this, obviously, I think now I'm just attracting more of the people who are interested in what we're really doing as yeah. opposed to attracting people who were looking for a more traditional yoga experience, ending up at our classes and retreats and then being unhappy and then mm -hmm. me feeling like I had done something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah, it made a 
it made a big difference for us and and for me and my confidence as a teacher when we started calling it mindful strength because then I felt like well I could teach anything I can teach you know bent over rows with the kettlebell and it's all gonna be okay (laughs) I love so what does it I have three quick questions written down I'm like what am I going to first so what is it that you are delivering? Because you can say mindful strength and I think people can have an idea. At least they know what it's not. Like they're not going to think, oh, this is yoga. So I see the, you know, the delineation there. But what is it exactly? Yeah. So I teach a class. Kyle teaches a class. Chris teaches a class. All of our classes are very different, but they're all included in the membership, the mindful strength membership. And so overall, it's strength training that people can do at home with some equipment, but minimal equipment. And we teach it in a way that brings in, you know, mindfulness and awareness over any type of like competitive Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. aesthetics based system. So have I incorporated the things that I've learned from yoga? 100%. You know, I can't Mm -hmm. take those things out of me. All of those years and those trainings and all of that stuff, has that influenced the way that I work with people and speak and set up my class 100%. Um, And I'm also clear to say that what we're doing is not like, it's not um, like heavy strength training, you yeah. know, it's yeah. not, you're, we're not lifting 300 pound barbells. Like it's very approachable strength, strength yeah. training. It's things that you can do at home. So it's for people who want to do this at home. That, that was the next part I was going to add to. You said you're, you know, that's a beautiful thing about niching down, niching down, however you folks want to say it. When you do that, you start attracting the people who want the thing that you're talking about. Who are these people? Like, or what are they coming in with, let's say, uh, problems that they need solved or want solved or, or goals that they have? So what's interesting is a lot of these people are coming from yoga practices. Yep. Yep. Um, a lot of them are still involved with their yoga practice, mm-hmm. which I think is great, or their Pilates practice. Um, a lot of them were coming in, you know, I think the awareness around strength training and bone mass and muscle mass and just all of the benefits has become much more mainstream, especially as we're all getting older. We want to feel strong. And so I think these really are who my people are, but they're not going to go to a gym. They don't want that like kind of mainstream fitness message. They want to train at home because that's what they're used to. They're used to doing wow. yoga. They can roll out the mat and do it wherever they are. Um and they're not interested in like, you know, what you'd get if you'd go to a conventional gym or, or a CrossFit gym. Yeah. And it's hard to find, you know, it's hard Absolutely. to find like good quality strength information that is not shrouded in also that like fitnessy, diet culture-y world. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you're you're taking the questions before I can ask them, but I'm going to ask them anyway, and then it will allow for a repeating. 
I think some folks fear when they make a switch or if they were to make a switch like this, that there's not enough people. Mm. There's not enough of an audience. And I, I get it. Some things are just very niche down, but something like what you just did, there's clearly an audience, but was there a concern for that? And if so, have, have those fears been allayed? I don't know that I was ever concerned that there wasn't going to be enough people. I think sometimes the concern, and when I start to get a bit like anxious about business, I think my concern tends to be, well, how will I get in touch with the right people? It's like we all know that they're out there, but I think sometimes it can feel challenging when you've been working in like such a closed container ecosystem, like a yoga studio for so long. Those are all the people you know. Those people respect you. They respect the trainings you've done. Then you start wanting to attract other people and you realize all those other people like don't know anything about what you do or your trainings. (laughs) Like they don't care where you did your 200 hour. Like it just means nothing to them. Um, And so I think, what I did early on in in making all of these changes was I just tried to get as many new people coming into the fold all of the time huh. so that we could start to show them like, hey, this is what we're doing. Things are changing. And a lot of our members now and our students now have been in our programs for so many years. It's Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. amazing. I think that our success was also a little bit like the right place at the right time. You know, back then when I started teaching the strength stuff in my classes, there weren't a lot of other teachers saying these things because there weren't a lot of other teachers who had like gone out and become power lifters. Exactly. I'm like, Um, (laughs) that that part that is important. (laughs) And there were a lot of people who were starting to talk about the aches and pains that they were having um, and the lack of assistance or like useful advice that they had been they had been getting. Um, and so, yeah, it was like connecting with the right people, connecting with the people who were ready to start making these changes. I think there's always enough people out there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's through the proper marketing and, you know, really speaking to the people that you start to, you start to bring them in. I love that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Cause you said, you know, a few sentences ago, basically that you're one of your things that you were very cognizant of and doubling down on was like always having people entering the top of the funnel of the pipeline and bringing them yes. into the ecosystem. How? I did I- so many free things. Ah. And and then the last couple of years, I haven't been doing this as much, but now we're starting up again. I did so many free things because I was just so into it. I was yeah. like, let's do a free holiday special and we'll like release classes over the holidays. Um, And I remember like the first holiday special I did, like a thousand people signed up for it. Whoa. And I was just like, whoa, okay, great. <laughs> wow. Um, I did a lot of that. A lot of like free webinars free course, um, updating my free courses. There's always been a free course available. So there's been a lot of ways for people to try it out Mm -hmm. and to see if it worked for them. And I think 
I didn't even know what I was preparing for. This is the great part. I didn't have a membership. I didn't have like a lot even that I was selling. I had a couple courses here and there, but I, I don't know, something in me just knew, like start building this now, start doing these free events now um, and, and like build up this group of people. And then later this is going to come in handy. And it really did. And, you know, when I give people advice on their business, I think that a lot of people feel like they need to make it first. They need to make the perfect course or the Mm -hmm, teacher mm -hmm. training or the whatever. And then they'll start to think about, well, how do I get people in my email list? And how do I get people Mm -hmm. to actually start talking to you? I feel like people need to start doing that like day one. Like even if you don't know what you're going to be doing later, just start. Start now with the emails because those people who get into what you're doing early on, they're going to be even more jazzed about what you have coming up in the future. That. Catherine, yes. My arms are in the air. Anyone that's listened to this podcast, they know that I'm like over here like, yes, this is what we're talking about. Yes, yes. Ah, that's so, so good. So free stuff, being super generous, giving people a way to taste and test the things, fall in love, and then they want more, they can go into your other offerings. So what are those offerings looking like now? So we have a membership. And we do three live classes every week in the membership. And these classes all get recorded and put in the library. So there's an amazing library of classes that people can choose from. And that's happening all the time, all year round. And then at different times of the year, I host different courses. So in the fall, I'm going to be doing a teacher's immersion, which is basically a three-month continuing education course for yoga teachers and Pilates teachers and and fitness people who want to bring more strength into what they're doing. And um, we're designing a product right now. What? Yes. We have so many like little projects on the go all the time, but I would say our membership and then our continuing education are are a couple of the big things. This is incredible. If folks want to check that out, they want to, you have a podcast as well, Mindful Strength Podcast. Did you change the name of that? I hope not. No, it's called the Mindful Strength Podcast. I'm like, did I fuck that up? Okay, very good. So you have a podcast, you have all the things. Where can people find this? Yes. So go to mindfulstrength.ca. And if people want to follow me on Instagram, it's the same thing, mindfulstrength.ca. You know what's so cool is like right now I have the show notes up from episode 198 that was released on March 30th, 2020. And that information is different. Oh, what does it say? It's it's the old one. It says Catherine follow Catherine on Instagram. Yep. That's it. I love that. Podcast is the same, but uh, your Instagram, I love this. This is, I'm so grateful that you gave us such a background story because I'm like, so much has happened. And to hear now those, you know, recurring themes and leaning into things and taking chances and following what, what fits. I mean, like this doesn't fit anymore. I'm leaning into this. And like, I have, there's a problem out there. I have a solution. I have a problem. I'm going to find a solution. Oh my God, this solution really helped me. I think it can help others, but I'm not going to force it on them. Just like it wasn't forced on me. Just, this is an incredible, incredible story. So what does your training look like now? Just for my own nosiness. Yeah. Uh, what what am I doing? So I take Kyle's class every Thursday morning in our membership because we record together in the same room. Um, 
On Tuesday morning, I work out on Zoom with Chris, who's the other person who works with us, and we do heavy lifting in that okay. session. So I have a barbell at my house and a okay. pull-up bar and stuff Look like that. This. Come on. Um, and I'm back into the barbell stuff now. So right now my goal is to do two heavy sessions a week in the mm-hmm. morning. I like to do shorter sessions. Like if I can get it done in 45 minutes, that's Love ideal. It. But when you're lifting like heavier weights, it's hard because you need to warm up. <laughs> that, that right there. <laughs> that, that you need warm up sets. Exactly. Um, and then I'll take Kyle's class on Thursday. I teach on Monday. I play tennis. I have a tennis court across the road from my house. Um I'll do kind of anything, but my consistent thing is two days heavy strength, one day taking the class in our membership, and then whatever else happens, happens. So how's your body feel? It feels real good. You know, sometimes I'm surprised at how good I feel. I'm like, I've been through so much stress in the last two years, and like, Life changes, family changes, world changes, um, but things are feeling pretty good, which is great. Are you, last question before I ask the final, final question, are you getting any residual shade from people? I would say no. I love it. Minimal shade. (laughs) (laughs) I love having the Canadian say minimal shade. (laughs) That's great. Ah, it's so, so good. I love hearing all of this. Just so, so helpful. I, I mean, I hear it. I know it's incredibly scary, but people also have this pull because they want to help. And, you know, this this thing that they did isn't not quite fitting. And they're like, but the name and if I switch. And especially you think you nailed it there. If you're coming from a traditional brick and mortar, it can be very scary because you think that like this is the world. You're just kind of limited by who can can physically visit your your space. And when you move into the online space, suddenly that changes. But I love the tactical advice you gave and of your own journey with all of the free stuff and sharing of your knowledge in that way and building trust and building the audience that way. That's phenomenal. And showing up that way before we look to create, you know, get the audience, attract the audience, serve the audience, and then we can create that membership or we can create that that paid thing, that paid course, not not the other way around. I love that. Mm-hmm. So good, Catherine. So final question I have that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast, is there anything else? You left, you've left us with so much. You've given us so much. But is there anything else you'd like to leave the people with? I don't think so. I think I that's know. it. Dude. Yeah. It makes me so happy when people say that. I think I've had maybe two people, and part of me is like, maybe you were the first person. Really? No more <laughs> that sharing? Said it last time that was like, I'm good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is ah, it's so on brand, Catherine. That is so, so on brand. You are so incredibly helpful. I am so grateful for you taking the time today, taking the time, just how you show up how you leading the field. It is truly, truly inspirational. And I'm extremely, extremely grateful. So thank you for everything. Oh, thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate you having me on again and just being in your community. You know, so it's good. like, it's really wonderful. Yeah. So, so good having you here. I'm I'm grateful to know you and grateful to have you in the ecosystem and the support you show me. And for real, you're changing the game. You've changed the game since day one and you continue to change the game. And we're all grateful for that. So Thank you on behalf of all of the people. 
Amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. You folks listening, thank you. We know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly, endlessly appreciative. Two asks coming your way. That sounded like two asks. Two asks coming your way. Number one, if you like this, you love this, you're picking up what we're putting down, do me a solid. Go check out Catherine's stuff at mindfulstrengthca.ca. Go and check her out on Instagram. Shoot her a message. Say hello. Just being in her ecosystem is a powerful thing. Ask number two, if you liked it, you loved it, you're picking up what we're putting down, do me a solid and share this with somebody who you think it could help. All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Catherine Bruni-Young and Maestro. Maestro.